Thanks for checking out The Bridge Podcast, a ministry to St. Francis and the surrounding community. It's not a mistake you are here. We pray God speaks to you today. Service times are 9.30 and 11 a.m. Sunday mornings. Feel free to check us out at sfbridge.org. Have a life-giving week. We finished our Firefly series, and so Eve, Eve service, and then you might say, well, what are we doing Christmas Day? We're just going to have one service Christmas morning. Um, we're just going to be having our 9.30 service here. Um, if you have friends that are maybe more traditional and say, I only want to go to Christmas on, on Christmas Day, well, a great day to bring them then too. So that's what we got going on. And then into January, we're starting a new series called Under Construction. Before I jump into some Christmas theme messages, I have a lot of important stuff that I want to share. And so this, if you're a visitor, this is a great day to be with us. I just want to be sharing some vision and some other stuff. And so let me, let me say this. I have a favorite pizza joint in St. Paul. Some of you I have brought with me down to Red Savoy Inn. Come on, somebody. It's so good. If you, if you haven't been there, you can't even say you're saved, okay? It's so good. So good. And so it, it's just, it's like the most amazing pizza, but I got to tell you how I got there, okay? I was not, I was the risk-taking kind of kid, and I did door-to-door sales, some of you know this, and door-to-door sales is the worst, suckiest job in the entire world. There's nothing worse than door-to-door sales. And I did this door-to-door sales job for this pizza place called Rocco's Pizza. Maybe you've had it, I don't know. But it's down in Maplewood area, White Bear area, and Rocco's Pizza is good. And I remember selling for them, and we went out with this manager, and door-to-door, and we're selling these pizza book coupon things, and whatever. And we were on the way back with the manager, and I just said, hey, can you tell me a little bit more about this pizza place, Rocco's? What, what's it like? And he said, Rocco's, dude, it's ju- it tastes a lot like the sauce at Savoy Pizza. And I'm like, what's Savoy Pizza? In the whole van, all, everybody looks at me like, you don't know what Savoy is? I'm sorry, I don't. And like, you got to try it. Well, I think I, I was either 16 or 17, I don't quite remember. And we lived um, up here in East Bethel, and my buddy lived over in Coon Rapids. And so I said to my buddy, I said, dude, let's get in my car. It was a 76 Buick Skylark that sometimes started. And I said, let's, let's get in my car. Let's go down to St. Paul and let's have pizza. And uh, we're both looking at each other like neither one of us knows how to drive to St. Paul yet. We have no idea. You know, that's like, that's like light years away for us. And for those of you that have your license nowadays, you know, and younger than me, you have GPS, you got everything. We didn't have any of that. You know, we didn't have cell phones yet. And so I'm like, let's do it. But how do we get there? And the only thing that I could remember, there used to be this little driving place that some of you that are in the wiser generation might remember called Porky's down on university. And I had been to Porky's before, you know, the burgers that would slide in and slide out. And I just said, uh, let's, let's go down there. And I said, I don't know how to get there, but let's, let's get on University Avenue in Coon Rapids, Blaine area, and we'll just stay on it the whole way. It got us there. It got us there in 90 minutes, you know? And and so we got down there, and I remember walking in. If you've never been in the building of Savoy, you walk in, and this is before the the laws changed with with the cigarette stuff, and and you just open the door, and it's completely dark inside, like pitch black dark. You can't see anything, and the smoke is just like rolling in billows. And I'm like, this is really where we're eating. And and we sat down, because there's no seats left in the non-smoking section, because they only had six tables in the non-smoking section. The rest of the entire restaurant had like 50 tables, all smoking section. I'm like, it doesn't matter where you sit, really. And so we sit down and we ordered the most beautiful pizza I have ever had in my life, man. 
It came out on this like cafeteria style tray. They set it in front of us, cutting squares. I'm like, why is this cutting squares? Because there's so much cheese, so much toppings on it. You can't hold it. You have to like you eat it. You just get messy. And it was so good. That's why I look the way I do. And uh, I, I remember eating this and thinking, this is, this is incredible pizza. It's so good. But here's the deal. We took a risk. Get in my car. Could have broke down. You know, my parents would have known where we were at. We were just like that. We were a couple of teens. We were crazy. Off the chart. Little, you know, just let's, let's go. Let's, let's do it. Who cares what happens? And because of this today, I can tell you, I've had hundreds of Savoy pizzas, okay? Hundreds. And now there's, there's some popping up all over the place. There's one in Fridley. There's a couple of others. But I took a risk when it came to food. In fact, anytime that my wife and I go, we like to travel a lot. We, we will try. We'll get on TripAdvisor. Any TripAdvisor nerds? few of you? Anybody? Okay, just me. And, and I'll go on TripAdvisor, and, and I'll look through what's the best restaurant in the area. What's like the number one restaurant? And uh, we'll go and we'll take a risk, and we'll try that. We tried one in Denver a few years ago. You can ask my daughter. It was one of the best restaurants we've ever had. It was called Cholan. It's like an Asian fusion restaurant. Just incredible. But we went out there. We said, you know, we, we do all the regular chains. Let's go try something just a little different, a little, little off. And it was incredible. How many of you would say, you don't have to answer this, but would say you are a risk taker? You're, you're willing, you're going to try something new. You're going you're gonna, to, you want to do something a little different. One of the risks I'm taking right now, and I'm going to ask everybody to do this, I want to buy a snowmobile and my wife doesn't want me to. So after service, she's in the K through 5th today, but please go talk to her and say, God told you that Chris is supposed to buy a snowmobile. That's a risk. All right, that's up to you how, if you want to take it or not. Good luck. So let me, let me do this this morning. Let's, let's go biblical for a little bit, and let me give you some content to where I'm going this morning, and then I want to unwrap this together uh, this morning as a church family. So here we go. Habakkuk, if you have a Bible, open up to Habakkuk. If you have you version, I'll give you a minute um, to get there. This is one of the minor prophets in the Old Testament. We don't, we don't travel here very often to this book. It's a little, little out there. It's a little different. No, you know, most preachers aren't like, oh, yeah, yeah, Habakkuk, this is a fun book. In fact, the book is about the destruction of Judah or the destruction of Israel before it goes into Babylonian captivity. And so what I want to do is I want to unpack this a little bit with where we're going today in regards to taking some risks. Um, so here we go, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. If you don't have it, we'll put it on the screen for you. It says this, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Okay, now you might say, what is this really saying? What is happening here? Let me give you some context. Habakkuk was a God-fearing prophet, okay? And what he was doing, and here's a prophet of God questioning God about what God was about to do. What God said is he said in chapter 1 of Habakkuk, He said, the Babylonians will eventually punish Israel, one of the tribes of Israel, specifically Judah, because they had, they they were what we call backslidden. They kind of fell away from the Lord. And so God said to bring them back, he's going to punish the tribe of Judah. Very interesting. And Habakkuk is like upset with God or confused going, I don't understand this because he didn't understand how God could use the Babylonian empire to punish what what he thought was a more righteous people group, the Israelites or the tribe of Judah. And so in chapter two, it opens up here and it finds Habakkuk. What he's doing is he's pondering and he's praying this through like, God, I'm going to stand at watch. I'm going to station myself. I'm going to look to see what you're going to say to me because I don't quite get this yet. And what answer you're going to give to me to my complaint? Because I'm going, God, 
you're going to take the Babylonians and destroy the Israelites? Time out. I don't think that's good, God. And so Habakkuk right here is almost telling God what to do. Can I just be a witness? This usually doesn't work very well. I'm just going to say, okay? So let's move on here to verse 1. Habakkuk, or excuse me, chapter 2, verse 1, message version, excuse me. I love how the message version reads. It says, what's God going to say to my questions? I love that. I'm not a big message version fan, but I love that in the message. What's God going to say to my questions? I'm braced for the worst. I'll climb to the lookout tower and I'll scan the horizon. I'll wait to see what God says, how he'll answer my complaint. Well, the complaint was this. These Babylonians, there was a specific people group, just like there was the Israelites, the, the clan of Judah or the tribe of Judah. You had the Babylonians, the whole big country of Babylon, and they had different tribes. And one tribe was the Chaldeans, or the Chaldees, depending on your Hebrew. We'll just say the Chaldeans. And they were a warlike people. They were always wanting to upset things. Um, You can read the rest of chapter 2. It talks about them. They were covetous. They were violent. They were insolent. They were idolaters. And Habakkuk was confused, like, God, why do you want to use that people group? And so what Habakkuk did is he did a few different things. First of all, he did this. He climbed. I don't know if you caught that. He climbed. What did he do? Verse 1. I climbed to the lookout tower to scan the horizon. He climbed. He withdrew. Okay? He got away from everything. And why did he do that? So he could gain a new perspective. He wanted to gain a new perspective. Sometimes, like right now, you see the church a different way from your vantage point, even where you sit. I see it a different vantage point from where I stand right now. We both see it two different ways. And so Habakkuk was going, I got to get a different perspective. I've got to get God's perspective because I only have mine. The second thing he did is he looked. He read God's word. He wanted to see God's will for this. He was looking back. He was a God-fearing prophet. And so he would look through the scriptures going, does this make sense with who God's character is? Is this what he really is about? And he goes on to verse 2 here and says, Then the Lord replied, after he did all this, he was waiting, he was watching, after he did this, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. So the third thing he did is he wrote. He wrote it down. Document it. Journal it. Blog it. When God speaks to us, man, write it down. Here's what's really interesting. It said, write it down, make it plain on what? Make it plain on tablets. Not, not this kind. Okay? Not, not a Samsung Galaxy or the real one, the iPhone. Not, not any of them. But in the NIV version, the common English version, the English standard version, it says tablets. It's actually not a great translation. In fact, the living translation says, put it on billboards. Put it on billboards. So it's a different perspective again. Tablets is one thing, but then put it on billboards. It's like driving down Highway 65. You see those giant billboards. It's easy for me to see, okay? Then you have the message translation that says, put it on big block letters, Big block letters, I picture like those, those ones that we have in the nursery, you know? You remember those when you were really young? They had all the letters on it. You could turn them and make different words. Come on, some of you still play with them. All right. And then in the King James Version, which I'm not a huge, huge King James guy, but to me, it gets it right in the Hebrew. It actually says tables. Tables? You know, the first time I read it, I said, wow, there's an error in my Bible. It missed the T. You know, it's supposed to be tablets. It is actually tables, and here's why. It's very interesting. This is the closest to the right translation to the original intent, in my opinion. You're open to yours. But think about it. There's no printing, pa- press, no printing press back then. And to get word from place to place, it was transcribed and it was delivered. 
And so what they would have is they had, if you read the history, they would have these boxwood tables, okay, probably cost a million bucks at Lake Pier 1 nowadays, and they would cover them with wax. And on the wax, with national affairs would happen, were engraved with an iron pen, and then they would hang them in public. They would do it at the prophet's own house, at the temple, so that anyone could see it. It was hung publicly so that people could, they could know it, they could share it, and could continue on. Verse 3, it goes on here, and it says this. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Right before this, at the end of verse 2, it says, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. Okay, a herald is anybody that can see it. Anybody. In other words, what it means is you can run past that wax inscription they have on the door. You can be running as fast as you can and you have enough time to turn and to see the vision that was written down and you can run with it. You can, you can tell somebody else about it. And so it's, it means on the fly. Anyone here ever work in the restaurant business? What does on the fly mean? I, I was a server. On the fly means if I go up to a table and some table says, man, I didn't order a cheeseburger, I ordered a hamburger. I've got to go in the back kitchen and say, hey, I need a hamburger on the fly. And what that means is the cook stops everything else and as quick as possible, he gets the right meal so I can go and deliver it. So on the fly, it means we should be able to quick. Not even, you don't even have to think to catch the vision that Habakkuk was writing right here. So he goes on, he says this in three, though it linger, wait for it, it will certainly come and will not delay. Well, what's the vision? What was Habakkuk talking about? Or Habakkuk, however you want to say it. Within scripture, you have something called single prophecies and dual prophecies. I know I'm going a little deep for some of you, just stay with me. Single prophecy means this. It means when a prophet of God in the Old Testament or even a prophet in the New Testament says something, it means we have to listen to it. It's one thing specifically. And so the first thing that's talked about right here is that Judah will be judged for their actions. In other words, Habakkuk was saying, Judah's no longer following the ways of the Lord. They're going to be judged. That was the prophecy. The second prophecy, and this is known as a dual prophecy right here, is that Babylon will be judged. These are God's ways. They don't make sense always to us. Okay, and this is the vision. Judah would be judged. Then Babylon would be judged because they were the ones who attacked and destroyed Judah. And they did, historically. You can read about it anywhere. You can blog it. You can, wherever. But very few times in Scripture do you have something that actually has more than a dual prophecy purpose. This is one of those times. This is actually a triple. This is a big one. This is a big prophecy in the Bible. The third one is actually talking about Christ's return. It says you get to a point in time, you're going to wait, you're going to linger for it. It will certainly come and not delay. And so in our Christian belief, we believe that Jesus is coming back someday to judge. Just as God was judging Israel, God was judging the Babylonians, God will judge us when Jesus Christ is sent back. And so the Hebrew author was writing about the the Messiah who would come and who would judge the world. And you can read about that. Paul writes about it. I don't have time to get into all his scriptures. Uh, what I want to do this morning is I want to give you, in our last few minutes here, is five points in regard to risk. You may say, well, what does Habakkuk have to do with risk? Habakkuk, imagine, imagine me getting up today and I told you in 50 years we're all going to be killed. Yay, thanks, Pastor. That's so encouraging. It's life-giving. Let's go to the bridge. You'd want to come back. You'd be like, that was awful. Habakkuk was telling them that. He's saying, you're going to get destroyed if you don't turn your ways around. If you don't get it figured out, if you don't get it right, you're going to get destroyed. 
Can I tell you, it probably wasn't very popular with people at that time. They're probably like, dude, you're crazy. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. And so he took a risk sharing this. He took a huge risk. And he listened to God and he wrote it down. But here's the five points I want to make in regards to risk. These aren't biblical per se, but they're what I believe God wants to speak to us today in regards to this scripture. The first is this. We as a church, here's our vision. We as a church want to make it easy for people to go to heaven. If you agree with that, say yeah. We want to make it easy, not hard. We don't want somebody to come in and go, oh, we got to fix them right away. There's stuff wrong with them. We got to get them just right. Man, they, they got issues in their life, so let's go, let's go after them and let's fix them. No. Tell you what, we all got issues. And if you don't have any issues, that's what you think, that's your issue. Okay? We all got issues. All of us do. But why is this a risk for us? Why is it a risk? Habakkuk, he was frustrated. He was frustrated that God wasn't doing the stuff that he wanted. He's like, God, it's not happening as quick as you want it. You know, God, man, the, the, the person here, they're not growing in the faith as fast as I want them to. Ah, come on. We get married couples in my office sometime, and some of them are further along in their walk with God. Some of them aren't quite there yet. Be patient. Be patient. It takes, it takes a long time. That's okay. But it's a risk for us because you know what I call us? You might say, well, we're an Assembly of God church. That's who we're affiliated with is the Assemblies of God. We're a great organization. But for those of you that grew up in the Assemblies of God and you compare ourselves to another AG church, you're going to be like, the bridge ain't AG. It's not an Assembly of God church. It doesn't seem to act like one. We're what I like to call a mutt church. We're not a thoroughbred. We're a mutt. Okay? It's, it's because of you that we're mutts. Because of me that we're mutts. All right? We don't look like any other AG church, Assembly of God church. We're okay if you're not okay. And we're not here to, to fix anybody. We have people that grew up Lutheran, grew up Catholic, grew up in a charismatic church, grew up in Assembly of God church, you know, grew up with, like me, with no church. And guess what? We still open the doors for every single one of those on Sunday morning. Amen? That's what it's about. Number two, go out on a limb, that's where the fruit is. Go out on a limb, that's where the fruit is. You ever think of a tree, the way it grows, where's the fruit? It's not up underneath. You got to go out on the limb. It's a little scary sometimes, taking a risk. People, I mean, people can drive by our church. I want you to think about this for a moment. They can drive by the bridge, and they can go 30 minutes to any mega church. They can go to 30 minutes. They can go to any big mega church. And a lot of those churches, they're doing great things. I have nothing against them. They're doing awesome things. God has blessed them amazingly. We should bless them. We should never curse them. We should lift them up. We should pray for them. They're doing incredible things. But I'm going to say something here. You will not find a church that passionately loves their community more than this one. It ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. You will not find a pastor who desperately wants to have, definitely wants you to have a walk with God more than any other. You're just not going to find it. You will not find someone that has greater vision for this church. And I don't mean that arrogantly, but confidently. Because if there was somebody better or had better vision than I have for this church, then they should be the pastor, not me. I see great things for this church, and we've seen great things. Number three is this. Don't be afraid to try something new. Remember this. This, this is a key point. Think about this. Amateurs built the ark. Professionals built the Titanic. See, Habakkuk had to have a different perspective to hear from God. 
I've had to have a different perspective. I went on sabbatical. Some of you hated that I was on sabbatical. I appreciate that. Went on sabbatical May, June, and July, and a pastor should do that every three to five years, and that's really to rejuvenate myself, to go, God, I want fresh vision. I want to come in. I want to be able to, to lead our church where you want it to go. I want to see our people come and own the vision and own what we're doing as a church. And so as we've been praying, as we've been talking, we want to take a huge risk, and I want to bring that risk to you um, this morning. So I want to read this to you. I, I wrote a letter, and we're going to send this out email-wise this week. We have a huge change coming at our church, but I think it's going to be really good. Don't worry, I'm not going anywhere. I'm here for the long haul. Um, sometimes my wife and I, we said, you know what? I think God created us just for this. We love this. There, there's nothing else we'd rather do. Here it is. Dear church family, two years ago, our church did something it had not done before. We added a second a second Sunday morning worship service. It was an exciting time of growth and possibility for our congregation, and a new service opened up new possibilities to reach more people. It was an experiment for our church, and we boldly embraced the leading of God's Spirit. While the experiment was new, the Spirit that brought it about was nothing new for our church. We've always been a congregation that takes risks for the sake of the gospel. Since our very beginning in 2010, We've been a risk-taking church. For those of you that have been along that long, you know that. Back then, there we didn't even have a, a church building, so we met in the elementary school in St. Francis. Soon, our church began its first building project, and our congregation bought a building and put $90,000 into it. We've always been a risk-taking, experimenting church. Today, we can feel God's presence as we continue to follow after the Spirit as an exciting time to be a part of this church. Over the last year, the elders have been discerning what risk the Spirit is calling us to take at this time. And throughout this process, one of the main questions we've asked is, in light of who we are as a church, would we be a stronger church if we had only one worship service Sunday morning? As we've examined attendance patterns, similarities between our two services, experimented with the combined worship service this summer, and talked to a few of you, we discovered many great reasons and overwhelming support for having only one worship service. And so our board unanimously agreed that it was time our church experimented with being one service again. And so we believe this is the next step in our life together and the risk the Spirit is leading us to take today. And so it's time we become one church together. Um, after much discussion, we feel the best schedule for this new one service format is as follows. We'll have prayer 9.30 for those of you that want to pray. We're going to do worship at 10.30 a.m., and then afterwards, man, unless you're a Vikings fanatic and you got to get home right away, have, have some coffee, have some donuts, have some fellowship time. We are going to begin this. This year it's funky on the calendar. We've got Christmas on a Sunday and New Year's on a Sunday. We're going to start January 1st, 2016. Let me finish this. I know I, just give me two more minutes if you won't mind. We believe with our whole heart that this change will bring about new life in our church as we grow closer relationally. A sanctuary, catch this, that is filled with our whole church on Sunday will cause our spirits to grow. The visitors will see our church as it really is. It's full. It's active. It's diverse. It's people of all life situations. Children and youth will be more visible. So they'll get to know more of the adults who can model Christian faith for them. One worship service will also give our musicians, our pastors, worship leaders, other leaders, children's ministry leaders, a chance to focus on their creative efforts and their talents on one meaningful worship experience each Sunday. Now, it doesn't mean we'll be there forever, because if we're packed up to the brim, 
then we have to address taking a risk again. Again, this is an experiment. We ask for patience, generosity, as we try to see if one service will better fit our congregation and our community. We are for the visitor. We are for the person that's lost. We do not exist for those of us that are saved. We exist for those that aren't. Can I hear an amen? Come on, somebody. We welcome your thoughts, your feedback, your suggestions as we try this. Because we do. We appreciate every one of you. And each of us together are what makes the Bridge Church a special place that it is. And what a blessing it will be when we can, once again, we worship together as one church. So we cannot wait to see the abundance God has in store for us. Let me finish with this. I know I've gone over here a couple minutes. Thanks for your grace. Number four, what risks? Talking about risk. It doesn't matter how we start. It matters how we finish. Okay? It doesn't matter how we start. It matters how we finish. If you've ever read this It's an easy book. It's three chapters, Habakkuk. The first two chapters, it goes back and forth between Habakkuk questioning God about what he's doing. The last chapter, chapter three, is when finally Habakkuk says to God, God, I commit faithfully to you. I trust in you. And he gave his life over to God for the first time, even as a prophet said, I surrender. You know, we drove up and down St. Francis looking for a place to meet. We ended up meeting at the elementary school. And then we took a few of us, Lori and, and Angie and Matt and a few others, and, and we came to this building that was pretty dilapidated at the time. And we walked in and we looked at it and we painted some vision, said it could, could look like this. And this is what it looked like in our minds. And uh, we saw it happen. Okay? But this isn't a finished product. In fact, we've been praying. Uh, we want to pray. We want to pay for that parking lot in cash. For those of you that don't know, when we got in the building, we had a CUP. It's called a conditional use permit. And so we have until 2017, 2018, excuse me, to pave our parking lot. That was part of the deal. So far, we've had, um, if you can put that up, um, we've had over 25,000 come in for the parking lot. A lot of you have made pledges and commitments. Just stay faithful with that, please. I know a parking lot is nothing, forgive me, it's nothing sexy, okay? But a parking lot is what the city has required of us to do. But... I want to think above and beyond that. We have been praying um, for land in St. Francis. We've been praying for a building in St. Francis. And so please pray with us as God would open a door there somewhere. That's our prayer. Last one is this, number five, and this is the most important this morning. Henry Ford said, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're probably right. What does that have to do with us? Habakkuk believed he was a prophet and believed he could hear from God. Either he was confident or arrogant, or maybe a little of both. If you don't believe that we can grow and continue to reach our community as a church, then you're right. However, on the flip side, if you believe we can grow and continue to reach our community, then you're right. And so I need people that aren't afraid to take a risk and have some crazy faith with me. Believe God for the impossible. Believe him, because if we could do it on our own, then why would we need him? Why would we need him? We see huge things for this church. You know, I've watched God do miracles in the last few years. I, I've seen people that have been touched by this ministry within our community and our school district that are now part of this ministry. I've seen people that care greatly about those around us, even if they disagree with our beliefs. I see people who are willing to help each other You know, we have a family in our our church recently took in somebody who was homeless that had been looking for a place to live, and eventually they started coming Sunday mornings. God took care of their situation. I see people come to the bridge at the right time and leave at the right time. God knows. 
we're his people. We're not the bridges people, but we do make up this congregation. And so what I want to do, I want to pray for you. And uh, again, we're going to head um, to one service January 1st. Okay. And so it's a great time. It's, it's late enough. So if you have friends that maybe had too much to drink the night before, it's late enough to bring them with Sunday morning and uh, invite them to come and hear from God. Maybe it's the time that God wants to talk to them. We don't know. Would you stand to your feet though? And I just want to pray a blessing over you this morning. God, I thank you for your peace that's just in this place this morning, God. I thank you, Lord, that you are the one that provides. God, you're the one that casts and gives vision. Lord, I'm just your mouthpiece. So I pray this morning, God, that it would be encouraging coming together again as one worshiping you. And Lord, also for everything happening Christmas-wise this afternoon for the family, God, would you just continue to use us in this community, Lord, as you have. I just pray blessing over each family here. God, if there's anyone here that has never said yes to you, you're at the center of everything we do here. I pray that before they leave today, they would say this prayer in their heart, God, that they believe in you, Jesus, that you gave your life up for them, that because of your death and, death and resurrection, we receive life and life to the fullest. And pray this in your name, Jesus. And everyone said, with your agreement, amen. Amen. Hey, have a fantastic week. If you have any questions about vision, where we're going, you can ask me um, or Matt or one of our elders. On the way out, grab some coffee, grab some donuts, and then this afternoon, if you have a chance, feel free and uh, head on over to Woodbury Park for a little bit. Have a great week. New series uh, last week called Firefly, and it's on the podcast if you want to listen to it. We had a church planter came and he shared last week, uh, Marcus Refsland, and he's planting a church. We're helping him however we can as well. How many know that we're, we're not bridge people, we're God's people, you know? And it's not our finances, it's God's finances, and Anytime that we can give to another church planner, we, we try to always do that. We're about planning churches. And the reason is there's not one greater way of reaching people for Jesus. It's the number one way across the world to reach people for Christ right now is by starting new churches. So any way that we can do that, we want to encourage that. Um, we finished up the series, and uh, I enjoyed it. It was awesome. And now we're decked, man. We're ready for Christmas. It's going to be good. Um, I want to tell you just a little bit about me. Um, for those of you that don't know, I used to do door-to-door sales. Ugh, it is the suckiest job on the planet, okay? There's nothing worse than door-to-door sales. It is awful. It's absolutely awful. And I did door-to-door sales for this company called CW Marketing down in Minneapolis. They no longer exist. And we sold coupon books for pizza places. And one of the first pizza places that we sold for was Rocco's Pizza. Maybe not Rocky Rococo. Okay, that's like a big chain. They don't need marketing, but Rocco's Pizza. It's in Maplewood, White Bear area. I don't know if you've ever had it. And, and I had never had it before, so I'm trying to sell a product that I hadn't have, hadn't eaten before. And I asked our manager at CW Marketing, I said, hey, what, what's the pizza like? Tell me. And I'm a pizza connoisseur. Any pizza connoisseurs with us this morning? We have a few. All right. I love pizza, man. And you can tell. I know. And so... I, uh, we're working on it. And I had, uh, I had asked them, I said, what does it taste like? And everybody said, the pizza tastes just like Red Savoy pizza down in St. Paul. And I'm like, Red Savoy pizza? What, what is, if you haven't had Savoy pizza, dude, you're not even saved. I'm sorry. Okay. It is so good. And so I'm like, we got to go to Savoy pizza. And, uh, my buddy and I, I lived up in East Bethel. He lived in Coon Rapids. Savoy's in St. Paul. Now, for those of you that are new to this concept, 
I didn't have GPS. I didn't have a smartphone. I didn't have anything. And so I had to tell my buddy, I said, we got to figure out how to get here. We got to go try this pizza place. Let's take a risk. And I had the 76 Buick Skylark that sometimes started. That was my car. And I'm like, let's get in. Let's go for it, man. And so we, we get in the car. We're headed downtown. And, and as we're pulling out of his driveway, we both look at each other and go, we don't know how to go downtown, man. <laughs> like, we don't even know how to drive to St. Paul yet. What are we doing? I think I was 16 or, or 17 at the time. And I said, wait. I said, I know there's this old restaurant on University Avenue in St. Paul called Porky's. You remember it? It's not there anymore. For those of you that are a little wiser, you remember this. They used to drag race cars down there all the time. And I'm like, we got to go. And so I said, if we get on University up in Blaine, we can take it all the way and it'll get us to St. Paul. It took us 90 minutes to get to St. Paul. And we get there, and I'm like, you know, we thought we'd get there at noon. We got there at like 1.30 for lunch. And we order a pepperoni pizza, and they bring it to our table. And for those of you that have, anyone ever been in the building, Red Savoy before, in St. Paul, a few of us? Okay, uh, picture it before the, you know, the cigarette law changed here a few years ago. You walk in there, and you ask for no smoking. They have six tables for non-smoking. Every other table is smoking. So it doesn't matter. You're smoking no matter whether you do or don't. You walk in, the cloud of smoke just permeates you as you walk in the building. And, and we go down, we sit, we order the pepperoni pizza, and our cranky waitress comes over, and she slams it on, and I'm going, well, this is so far not good. And she slams it down on this cafeteria-style-looking tray with wax paper underneath, and I'm like, what kind of place is this? And, and we took a risk even still eating it, and we ate the pizza. It's incredible, man. It is so good. If you haven't had Savoy, man, you, I'm, I'm not, don't worry, I don't get money for plugging them, but they are, it is, it was just phenomenal. My wife and I have kind of become foodies, all right? She used to like Totino's party pizzas. You remember those? That's not pizza. That's, that's like an Italian burrito you fold in half and eat in two bites, okay? That's what that is, all right? It's, and so I said, you need real pizza. So now she's kind of a food nerd, food snob like I am, and so when we, we'd like to travel a lot, and uh, we were in uh, Denver a few years ago, and we tried this new place that we had never tried before. And, you know, we go down to Texas, and there's this new Italian restaurant that we had never tried before. And, and we tried, and so we take risks. Sometimes you win on those, and sometimes you lose, okay? You don't realize you lose, though, until the day after, and I'll just leave that there. All right. How many of you would say you're a risk taker? You a risk taker? Are, are you a risk taker? Do you, are you like, man, whatever it is, I'm, I'm going to take the risk. I'm going to go for it. You know, I'm, I'm just going to do that. Well, I was not always a risk taker. And at the same time, I believe God is calling us as a church to take some specific risks. And so what I want to do biblically this morning is I want to unpack this this morning. So if you have a Bible, uh, whether it's an e-version Bible or a paper Bible, open up to Habakkuk with me. It's one of the minor prophets in the Old Testament. Uh, if you don't have it, we'll put the scripture on the screen for you this morning. But I want to unpack this book, and I want to give you just a little bit of historical context so we know exactly what's happening here, and then what does it mean for us as a church. Today and next week, I'm really going to be unpacking some vision of the church. Where are we going? It's a great time if you're a guest with us, because you're going to learn what we're all about, um, and where we're going, what we're doing, what's happening. And then after that, we're going to be doing our Christmas messages and then in January, we're entering a new series called Under Construction. We're all under construction all the time. And, and how many of are still enjoying the roundabouts in St. Francis? So we're going to talk about what it means to be under construction. And so here we go. Habakkuk chapter 2, we're going to start. It's only three chapters. Middle chapter, chapter 2, it says this. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. 
I will look to see what he says to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Now you might say, what in the world? If you just read that, what is he talking about? Okay, I'll stand at my watching station, myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer am I to give to this complaint? Well, Habakkuk is a prophet. He's a God-fearing prophet of Israel. Okay, he wants to do what God wants him to do. He has Israel's best interest in mind, and he wants to see God prosper his people. And so Habakkuk is frustrated here in chapter 1 and chapter 2. Chapter 2 begins because Habakkuk is going, God, what are you doing? Because what had happened is Judah had backslidden, or in other words, they fell away from the Lord. And Habakkuk said, God, what are you doing? Because you're not doing anything. You're just letting Judah go unpunished. Judah was one of the tribes of Israel. So in other words, you're letting Israel go unpunished. Why are you not punishing them? I don't understand, God. I don't understand your ways, and I'm going to question them. Now, I know none of us in real life ever question God's ways or his motives. Only biblically does that happen with prophets of God that are really close. None of us have ever done that, right? Okay, and so he goes on, and and he says, God, I'm frustrated. And he goes to this different place. He watches, and he stations himself apart to say, all right, God, I'm going to listen. What's up? Well, Habakkuk was confused because what God did, he did something crazy that he didn't understand. God chose the Babylonians and said, eventually, I'm going to have the Babylonians come and destroy Judah. They're going to just destroy this tribe of Israel. And, and he's like, what? what's taking place? What's happening? Why? That doesn't make sense, God. And the reason that Habakkuk was so frustrated, was so like upset with God about this decision, is because the Babylonians were more of a wicked people than the righteous Israelites. That's how he felt about this. And so chapter 2 right here at the beginning, it finds Habakkuk pondering and praying this through. God's ways don't always make sense to us, do they? And it didn't even always make sense to those closest to God. I mean, who's closer to God than a prophet of God within Scripture? Habakkuk 2.1, actually, I, I like the message version. I'm not a huge message fan. Message is more of a commentary than a than a uh, a version, but I like what it says here in the message translation. It says, what's God going to say to my questions? I love that. What's God going to say to my questions? I'm braced for the worst. I'll climb to the lookout tower and I'll scan the horizon. I'll wait to see what God says and he'll answer my complaint. You see, just as you had the Israelites and then you had the different tribes, you had how many tribes? Technically 12 if you don't include the half-tribes. And then you had, over on here, you had the Babylonians. The Babylonians had tribes, and one of their tribes was known, depending on your Hebrew dialect, either the Chaldees or the Chaldeans. Just stay with me for a moment. The Chaldeans were this warlike people group that was evil. They were wicked. Like this, if you have like a daughter, like I have a freshman daughter, she ain't hanging out with the boys from the warlike people. It's not going to happen. She's not going to hang out with boys, period. Okay? But the Chaldeans, they had coveted, other people's stuff. They were violent. They were insolent. They were idolaters. And so Habakkuk's going, God, why are you using this people group to destroy the clan or the tribe of Judah? And so what Habakkuk did in his book, it's an amazing book. If you never read it, it's very short to read. He did a few things. He did three things. The first thing he did, he climbed. Okay? He said, I'm braced for I'll climb to the lookout tower and I'll scan the horizon. He climbed. Why did he climb? You ever wonder, like, why do you have to climb? I don't get it. Well, here's, here's my belief, is that he withdrew and he got away from everything so that he could gain a new perspective. Right now, your perspective in this church, you're looking up at here. You see the screen behind me. You see 
the backdrop. I see the, the giant Christmas tree. I see your faces. We each have a different perspective right now, the way that we're looking. And so sometimes we have to get out of our normal comfort zone to see what it is that God wants to do. And so Habakkuk got out of his comfort zone to receive what God was doing because he didn't understand it. The second thing he did is he looked, he read God's word, and then God revealed his will to him. He got away, he studied the scripture, he was a God-fearing prophet, so he would have known the Torah, he would have known the law of God, and so he got into it to say, all right, God, I see where we're going wrong, I see what you're doing, you don't want to just destroy Judah for, you know, for your sake, but you want to destroy them to bring them back to you eventually. Habakkuk 2.2, it goes on, and then the Lord replied, to Habakkuk's prayer. He said, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. The third thing he did is he wrote it down. He wrote it. He documented it. We journal it or we blog about it or we write it on social media. What's interesting about this scripture, chapter 2, verse 2, and we'll leave it up on the screen here for a moment, is depending on which Bible version you choose to read, there's a lot of different differentiations here. The first is this. It says, tablets. Okay, now, for those of you that are the millennial generation or Generation Z, you know this to be a tablet. Okay, the rest of us, this, is, this was not what they meant back then. They didn't have, like, you know, an iPad or, or a Galaxy Edge or whatever, okay? They didn't have that. A tablet was something they wrote on. Um, that was in the NIV version, which is this scripture. You have the ESV version. The Common English version has that. Then you have the Living Translation. It says it wasn't written on tablets. It says it was written on billboards, and so I picture like going down Highway 65, you see those big billboards that anyone can see and you go, all right, I know exactly what you're speaking to me and you see it. Then the third was the message version. It says big block letters. Kind of, you know, I picture like those big blocks in the nursery that have all the letters. Come on, some of you still play with them. You know, you know what I'm talking about. And you turn them to make different words. My favorite version though, and I'm not a huge King James guy. Um, the King James version though, it says this. It says it was written on tables. And I remember when I first read that, I thought they missed the T in tablets. Wow, there's an error in my King James Version, Scripture Bible. And I realized it's not. It's actually tables. In fact, if you go back and you get nerdy like I do and you read the Hebrew, it's actually tables in the Hebrew. So I was reading this going, what does that actually mean? It's not tablets, it's tables. Well, you've got to remember, there's no printing press back then. And so to get word out from place to place, what did they do? They transcribed it and then they delivered it. And so upon tables, what these tables were, they were huge boxwood tables covered with wax, probably something really expensive at Home Goods now or something, okay? And this, this box with the wax on top, they would actually inscribe national affairs with it that were taking place with an iron pen. They would take it from the wax and then they would go hang it up, whether it be at the prophet's house or at the temple or somewhere so that you could see it right away. In other words, you could read it on the fly, Anyone here ever worked in the restaurant industry? Okay, if you've worked in the restaurant industry, you know the term on the fly. I was a waiter for a few years, and if I brought somebody a cheeseburger and it was supposed to be a hamburger, and they said, no, I can't do it, I, I, I can't eat dairy products, I'd run back to the kitchen, and I'd tell the chef, I said, I need it on the fly. And he would, he would stop everything else, and he'd get that cooked as fast as he could so I could run it out there. And so the language with the author here, with Habakkuk, he's saying basically the vision a vision, whether it's for a church, whether it's the vision that God had given him for the people of Israel, it's got to be so simple that you don't even have to think about it. It's just on the fly. I can run right by that, that paper that's hanging, and I can see the vision, and I'm good with it. I can just go for it. Verse 3, for the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. 
Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Now, if you're a Bible nerd like me, this is a really, really fun scripture. Really fun. Within scripture, you have something called single fulfilling prophecies. You have dual prophecies or or dual prophecies, single and dual. Right here, this prophecy that God is giving to Habakkuk is talking about that Judah will be judged, okay? And then that's the first one. That's the most important one. Then secondly, not only will Judah be judged, but these are God's ways, not our ways. They don't always make sense, but he's using Babylon to judge Judah. Because of that, even though God's using that to happen, God then is going to judge Babylon for the destruction of Jerusalem later on, which we see fulfilled later on after this. However, this is one of the very few moments in all of Scripture that you have a prophecy that is actually a triple fulfilling prophecy. Very rare. The third is that Christ will return. It's a Scripture in regard to the return of Jesus Christ. And so, right here, and I don't have the time to get into it, but you can Google it sometime and just Google references to Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3 with Paul. The apostle Paul wrote about this constantly. He wrote about how Jesus would return after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's what Habakkuk is talking about here too. So there's three different fulfilling prophecies that are going on within this one vision. It's crazy. Well, what I want to do this morning is this. I want to give you some risk things that I believe are not necessarily scriptural, but I believe we can look at them through the lens of Habakkuk for our church and where we're headed, what we're doing, and what that looks like. One of my favorite scriptures in all of the New Testament, it says this. Paul wrote this, and he said, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at a proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Do you love that? I love that. It's one of my favorites. I hold on to that. In other words, man, God, I, I did what you asked, and maybe you did something God asked you to do, and it's not where you want it to be yet. And God's saying, no. Don't give up. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. Don't give up. You'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. So what does this have to do with Habakkuk and and him? Well, think about this for a moment. Habakkuk was a prophet, and he's going around, and he's telling people, he's saying, you know what? If you don't turn your ways, you're going to die. You're going to get annihilated. Do you think that was pretty popular with the people? Yes. If I told you, man, if you don't get your life right in the next 50 years, man, it's over. Thanks, Chris. That's really life-giving. Appreciate it. You know, awesome. Love the Bridge Church. It's fun. Chris told us we're all going to die. No. You'd be like, I ain't going back there, man. That's crazy. And so Habakkuk is taking a very difficult message, but it's from the Lord, and he is sharing it with the people of Judah. Do you think some of the people of Judah probably wanted to kill him? Yeah. Yeah. He was not a popular kid. So what does this have to do with us? He's taking risks. I believe we're called to take some risks and some that we're already taking. So let me give you five points here in regards to risk. Number one is this. We want to make it easy for people to go to heaven. If you agree with that, say, yeah. I want to make it easy for people to go to heaven. We don't want people to have to change everything when they walk in the door for the first time. Habakkuk was frustrated that God wasn't doing the stuff right away. He wanted God to be honored. We want God to be honored, but we want to allow him to meet people right where they're at. This is a risk for us as a church because though we're, we're an Assembly of God church by fellowship, that's who you know, we, we hold our, our fellowship with, that's whose umbrella we're under, 
Can I just say that we're a mutt church? <laughs> we're a mutt. We're not a thoroughbred, you know? Some of you grew up in an Assembly of God church, and you go, the bridge is not like any HE church I've ever been to, man. Or you've been like, man, I didn't grow up church, so this is all new to me. That was me, okay? Or you grew up traditional, and you're like, is it legal to have drums in the church? Like, you know, we, we all have these differences and these different backgrounds. You know, some of us want worship louder. Some of us want quieter. Some of us want, you know, we want the lights off during worship. Some of us want the lights on during worship. Like, there's all these different things. We're a mutt church that God has brought together. So cool. That's, that's who we are. And why is that? Because here we want to continue to make it easy for people to go to heaven. We don't want to make it difficult. It's simple. You accept Christ, you go to heaven, period. Number two, go out on a limb. That's where the fruit is. Think about it. Where's the fruit growing a tree? It grows out on the limb. Sometimes it's nice to hold on in the middle because it's secure, it's comforting. But then you've got to take a risk and you've got to go out on the ledge a little bit and grab the fruit. Let me say this. People can drive by our church. Here we are with bison and corn in the back, for crying out loud. We're in the sticks, all right? Welcome. You can drive by our church 30 minutes in, in a lot of different directions, and you could go to a mega church, half an hour drive to a few mega churches in our area, some of the biggest ones in Minnesota. But, and I want, to, I want you to hear my heart here, and, and I love those churches. We're here to bless them. What God blesses, we bless and if God's blessing those churches, we bless them. In fact, we've had some people that have come through our doors that have gone there. That's awesome. That's great. Okay? But I want to say this. You will not find a church that passionately loves their community more than this one. You won't do it. You're not going to find a pastor who desperately wants you to have a walk with God more than me. You're not going to find someone that has greater vision for this church. And I don't mean that to sound arrogant, but confident. Because if there's somebody better, if there's somebody that has greater vision, then they should be the pastor, not me. I desperately want to see a move of God in our hearts. I want us to see us grow. And I'm not only talking in width, but in depth of our relationship and our walk with God. You know, we've been doing a few different things. Um, if you walk back down the kids wing, we, we've revamped some kids ministry areas it looks pretty cool. At the same time, we have been praying for what's our next step as a church. And I want to ask you to be praying for us. This building was one step. Our next step is we're praying for land or a building within St. Francis. So be praying for that. Number three, don't be afraid to try something new. And if Think about this for a moment, real important. Remember this. Amateurs, they built the ark. Professionals built the Titanic. Habakkuk, he had to find a different place to hear from God. Okay? For those of you that know, I was on sabbatical May, June, and July, and I took some time to just get away and to pray and go, God, what do you have for this church? Every three to five years, the Assemblies of God recommends their pastors take a three to six months sabbatical. I took three. I don't want to do any longer than that. And just get away and just pray and go, God, what do you have what, what, what's next for us? Some of you hated while I was away, and, and I appreciate that. And I'm glad to be, you know, back since, since June. It's been amazing. And I've been praying. And one of the huge, huge risks that we want to take, um, I want to I share with you. And I wrote it in a letter. We're going to send it out as an email to everybody this week in our, our weekly update. Um, but can I just read it to you? I just want to read it to you. I can pull out points, but 
I'd rather just read it to you. Um, here it is. Stay with me. Um, we're going to close in just a couple minutes. But it goes like this. Dear church family, that's you, by the way. Two years ago, our church did something it had not done before. We added a second service Sunday morning. It was an exciting time of growth and possibility for our congregation, and a new service opened up with new opportunities to reach more people. It was an experiment for our church, and we boldly embraced the leading of God's Spirit. While the experiment was new, the Spirit that brought it about was nothing new for our church. We've always been a congregation that takes risks for the sake of the gospel. Since our very beginning in 2010, we've been a risk-taking church. Back then, we didn't even have a church building, so we met in the elementary school. Soon our congregation began its first building project. Our congregation bought a building and put $90,000 into it right here. You would have saw it before, man. It was dilapidated. We've always been a risk-taking, experimenting church. And so today, we can feel God's presence as we continue to follow after the Spirit. And so it's an exciting time to be a part of this church. Over the last year, the elders discern what risk the Spirit's calling us to take right now. And throughout this process, one of the main questions that we have been asking is in light of who we are now as a church, would we be stronger as a church if we had only one worship service Sunday morning? As we've examined attendance patterns, similarities between the two services, experimented with combined worship services this summer, and talked to other church members, some of you, we discovered many, many great reasons and overwhelming support for having only one worship service. And so our board unanimously agreed that it was time our church experimented with being one service church again. We believe this is the next step in our life together as a church and the risk the Spirit is leading us to take today. It's time we become one church together. And so after much discussion, we feel the best schedule for this new one service format is as follows. Um, we'd have prayer, 9.30 in the morning here. We open our doors for prayer if you want to pray. We have worship at 10.30. Um, that would be our service time at 10.30 to 11.30. And then afterwards, man, unless you have to get home for the Vikings game, we have coffee and donuts, and we just invite you to hang out and do life together. We want to encourage relational ministry, and right now we're missing that. We want to see that take place. We're going to begin this new combined worship experiment on January 1st, 2017. We believe with our whole hearts that this change will bring about new life in our church as we grow relationally. A sanctuary that's filled, I want you to catch this, with our whole church on a Sunday will cause our spirits to grow. Visitors will see our church as it really is. It's full, it's active, it's diverse with people of all ages and life situations. Children and youth will be more visible as they'll get to know more adults who can model Christian faith for them. One worship service will also give our musicians, our pastors, worship leaders the chance to focus their creative efforts and talents on one meaningful worship experience each Sunday. Again, this is an experiment. And we ask for your patience, your prayers, your, God, your generosity as we try to see if one service will better fit our congregation and our community. Like any experiment, we're going to learn as we go, making adjust, adjustments as needed. We welcome your thoughts, your feedback, suggestions as we try this. Appreciate every one of you. Each of you together are what makes the Bridge Church the special place it is. And what a blessing it will be when we can once again worship together as one church. We cannot wait to see the abundance God has in store for us. If you have questions, you can ask me later. Otherwise, we're sending that this week. We're excited to do that, and uh, we want to make it a comfortable place for each person. We want to pack it out. We want to have some fun. And uh, it's one of the reasons I was with the kids last week was just checking and seeing how, how are we doing here uh, attendance-wise. 
Sometimes it might feel a little lighter in the sanctuary, but you go in the kids' ministry, it can feel pretty packed. And so uh, we wanted to uh, make sure we're, we're doing the right thing. But I'll be the first to tell you, I love coming into a worship service where it's packed and we're just passionately pursuing God. And uh, we hope that's the case for all of you. Let me show the last two here quickly and I'll close. Number four, it doesn't matter how we start, it matters how we finish. Do you agree with that? Say, yeah. Chapter one and two of Habakkuk is where he was questioning God. Chapter three is his affirmation of his faith. You know, we have our, our parking lot. Let me share this with you too. If you can put that parking lot slide up, uh, if you can find that, Levi. Um, we, uh, we bought this building under a conditional use permit. And what, what you might say, what is that? Well, we are required to pave that parking lot out there. And uh, we have to do that by August of 2018. We want to do it cash. This is what we have so far in the bank towards it. And some of you have pledged money towards this. And we just want to ask you to continue to be generous and faithful on that. Um, we are, one of our elders is working with a developer on how we can do this. And so whether we buy land or not, we have to do that. That's part of our conditional use permit with the city. And so I know, I know paving a parking lot, I don't know another adjective to describe it. It's not a sexy thing, but it's, it's a thing that we're required to do. It's something that God um, would have us to do to honor our commitment to the city. And uh, there's a lot of a lot of things that go with that if we don't. And so we want to do that. Again, it's awesome to have that done and uh, get rid of our pothole situation and the gravel situation. So it doesn't matter how we start. It matters how we finish. The last one is this. Probably more important risk-taking part of all is whether you think you can or think you can't, you're probably right. Henry Ford said that. You see, Habakkuk believed he was a prophet, believed he was hearing from God. Otherwise, he wouldn't have taken a risk. And so if you don't believe we can grow, if you don't believe we can continue to reach our community, you're right. Because that's, you're the church. However, if you believe we can grow and continue to reach our community, you're right. I have watched God do some amazing things in the last few years through this church. I can't wait to see what he wants to do again. Yeah, he's still doing it. Look at what we're doing Wednesday night. We're crying out loud. It's incredible. Those tags back there, man, we're going to bless some family socks off. Love that. But I've seen people that have been touched by this ministry that are now a part of it. I've seen people within our school district that have been touched by this ministry that are now part of this ministry. I see people that care greatly about those around us that might not, not even agree with our beliefs. I see people who are they're willing to help each other no matter what the cost is. In fact, we had a, a homeless person within our congregation and a family reached out and helped them for a time being took them in they didn't have to they did that's awesome that's the church man that's our church i see people that come to the bridge at the right time yeah some of us we leave at the right time god calls us we're not we're not bridge people we're god's people and that's okay well, let's take a risk and so that's one of the risks we're doing i'm going to talk about more next week about some more risk what it means for risk in your life as well so would you do this? I just want to pray for you as we close. Would you stand to your feet? God, I thank you that you're the greatest risk taker. You took a risk sending your son to die for us, though we were still sinners. And today, God, we want to give you the glory and we want to have you the center, focal point of everything that we do. And so to receive eternal life, it's simply by a belief in you. It's not a head knowledge. It's not knowing about you, but it's knowing you. 
And today, Lord, if there's anyone here that just wants to say in their heart they believe in you, we ask forgiveness of our sins, we want to follow you all the days of our lives. We believe that we're saved. We believe that we receive eternal life, Lord. Thank you for taking a risk on us. Would you bless us as a church as we take some risk? Would you bless us this afternoon as we decorate Woodbury Park? Would you bless the the single mom and her six kids as we want to bless her? God, would you bless every guest that's visiting today and every church member? Lord, would you just have your way in our lives as we honor you throughout this week? We give you the glory when you give you the praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said together, come on. Amen. So, hey, on the way out, say hi to somebody that you've never met before. Um, grab them some coffee and donuts. It's free in the, in the entryway there. Have a great week. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.